0: Hi, everyone. Good evening. And we are back. It's Friday evening, and it is good to be with you all. And Michael, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Um, Thanks for Such a me. blessing. No, no, thank you. You are a rich blessing to us. You see, it's Friday, and you're yeah. wearing the red shirt. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, um, let me begin with prayer because I feel like I'd yes. like to really ask the Lord to just come and join us and I mean yes. to lead us. And yes. so, if, Father, right now we do want to lift up to you, especially our country. It's just a lot going on, um, a lot of turmoil, and a lot of sorrows and grievings and injustices in many different quarters and many different ways we know that you are still sovereign, you're still in control, no matter how chaotic or challenging life is that we can completely trust you. We pray for our leaders, Lord, for the president, for Congress, for governors in Minnesota, California, um, really all in uh, Georgia, all around the country. We pray for mayors, such as the mayor of Minneapolis, especially in this moment in this time, pray for the police chief and city council members, we pray for the community of believers and churches that are uh, processing how to best respond to love and to serve. And I pray that through the darkness, that the light of the gospel will shine forth brightly. Thank you for Michael. Um, Thank you for his heart for you. Thank you for his desire for the Choa family to, yeah, just to be the salt and light of the earth and just the many ways in which I have the privilege of being called his brother in Christ. So I pray that you would guide us in our time. We just want to lift up to all of this and we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Michael, um, there are so many directions we could take this. We're using Ephesians chapter two as a sort of a baseline, but really it's covering all the scripture as well as just even our own personal experiences and some of the ways that we're processing some of the things that are happening in in Minneapolis and all around the country. And this is something that has been ongoing, obviously far longer than this past week. talk to different people and you realize this has been ongoing but I wanted to lay out a few things get your thoughts and then I was going to ask you a few personal questions so first on the scripture side from a framework perspective the way I see race and racism is that when I think about race itself I go back to genesis I, and I go back to the garden you know the fundamentally we're all created in God's image according to uh, Genesis 1, 27. And that amazingly has nothing to do with anything to do with physical features. I mean, it does in the sense that, that there is a part of God's image that is in some way interwoven in our physicality, but it's also our spiritual image. It's also our emotional image. And we all, if we're believers of God's word, we all agree that we come from one set of parents genetically, right? That that's not something that's a mythology for us. We believe it to be true. In other words, when we say, when we meet someone on the street, we're not meeting just some random person. We're meeting an image bearer of God, whether they are a believer of Christ or not, which automatically means we should show them respect and dignity, regardless of what they've done, who they are. Mm -hmm. And then secondarily, we're from the same ultimate parents. And really only at once the tower of Babel happens is there a dispersion of language and people start scattering. And then Genesis chapter 10 talks about the table of nations and then people going to different places. And with that, you know, I know when I go outside to certain places, I get my skin darkens. You know, if I, if I lived in the South and I was always in, you know, always in uh, South Carolina all the time or in the Bahamas, I'd pre I'd be a lot darker and, over generations, you can imagine that actually changing your physical features. And so, uh, and, and we don't believe in a macro evolution but in definitely in a micro evolution that there is a, a change dependent on the environment physical environment that we're in which leads to differentiation of different cultures and races. And then obviously language is different because of Tower of Babel, um, our sense of community music style, all those things are impacting. We see that today, you know, I mean, just where you are, your taste of food, you know, what is your comfort food, how you speak, even another thing. So recognizing, first of all, that fundamentally we're all, if we believe in scripture, we're all literally from the same parents in the same genome, you might say, and we, we've come across, we can't get away from that. That's biologically, spiritually, biblically. The, the thing is that sin has entered into our world. And as long as there is sin, there is an attempt to try to displace God as God and not just God, but his systems, his design, which was always intended to be that we as his people unadulterated by sin would, would multiply, fill the earth and subdue it together. You know, that there's a unity in that. But once sin comes, there's a break between God and us and there's a break between each other. That happens in Genesis four, Cain kills Abel. I mean, we're talking about brothers at that point. Like one, forget about ethnic diversion. These are two brothers and one kills the other. It starts there. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing I think about like when it comes to race and racism is that it's very easy to think of race and racism about the color of your skin um, about the way you speak, about the the facial features, um, your language. But one thing I know is that, um, and I've been to, by God's grace, I've been to different parts of the world. I'm not. I was born not in America. I don't look like a. When I go overseas, and I, if I say to someone I'm American, they they say ni hao to me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean. They don't think of me as American. And, you know, it's it's hard. I have a hard time thinking of myself as American because in American, you think of a white person. And so there is this, but when you go overseas or if you're born in another culture, one thing you realize is that there's racism in all cultures. Yeah. Like I know I'm, you know, there's racism in different parts of a country. So even if we were all, White or we were all Hispanic or we were all Asian, we would still find something to divide on because yeah. that's our nature. We see this in Genesis four and just continues. I give this because I think it's very easy to go down the road of thinking that racism is unidirectional, that there's only one direction of racism. I just tend to see it as it's it's a it has many facets many forms and no culture, no people is immune from it. Um, That no matter where you are, you see it. The Hutus and the Tutsis, you know, in Rwanda, they had a terrible massacre. Um, North and South Korea, you know, uh, you look at basically Europe. I mean, how many wars have been fought in Europe and they're all white people. you know, Asian countries like the Cambodian massacre with Pol Pot and the regime, the Maoist China. So these are these are not different ethnicities, but within a culture, there's still a sense of division. Oh, you're like this, I'm like this. You speak with that dialect, I speak with this dialect. You you're so I I want to start there because I feel as though if we don't start there, we can very easy, easily forget. What is the ultimate cause of it? And once we do that, once we establish that, then I think we could talk about some of the things that are going on and how to process all this from a biblical framework. One last thing on the personal side, and then I wanted to see what you say, Michael, and then hear mm-hmm. yourself personally, and I'll ask you some questions about that. Is um, my, I think, personally, I think there's not a person alive who doesn't have, it in some sense, because of the nature of sin and depravity have some even inherent areas of prejudice and bigotry that is in each one of us. And we don't want to admit it, but it's there. And something that George Neiman, he told me is that, I mean, he, first of all, he loves the people he's with. His daughter, one of his daughters is an African girl. Um, whom he loves and cherishes just as everyone else. and he was, and he always talks about going deeper whenever you think, oh I, I don't I'm not racist or I don't have prejudices, then God brings you deeper because he shows you something that you're like, wait a second, you're not there. You're not really. And I don't think we're gonna be there until we're with the Lord.. All right. I also realized, so I know I have that in me. Um, I think everybody else has that. I think the second thing is that I I knew growing up, I mean, I faced racism probably just as you did, Michael, but I faced it from all different types of people. It wasn't just people who were white. You know, I faced it from people who were black, people who are other Asian ethnicities. I mean, in other words, if we're too quick, we can automatically assume that racism, like I said, is unidirectional, white to black, black to white. It's only one direction. I just tend to see it as it's just every direction because of the nature of sin. And there Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, which we'll talk about is all about the gospel undoing that system, like undo, like completely recreating how it was supposed to be when sin wrecked it, the gospel changes it and it doesn't have to be this way. And it starts in the church and then it moves out. And I do think how we think about the world, people, missions, um, evangelism, all that, the dignity of human human beings, that is gonna be impacted. So that's my quick little intro. I'd like to hear what you think, just about the biblical side, and then I have some questions to ask you on the personal side.
1: Yeah, I really do think it starts with, you know, I mean, the image of God, you know, the image of God and the dignity of man, of all all men created in his image you know all you know and that's men and women alike um female and male you know male and female he created them in his image you know as his image bearers and and i really see you know this is really stemming from the fall in the garden you know this this clash of races or you know uh, there's one human race you would you know all these ethnicities which we call races um you know and so um, but truly it's all, you know, I see it as a human race with, you know, all of these branches and conflicts within that, you know, and all because of the fall. It really is um, that. And I think, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it is um, our own sinfulness, but I also, also know the the murderous nature of Satan as well. And, um, and right. we, we wrestle not just against flesh and blood, <laughs> mm-hmm. but against and powers and spiritual wickedness Mm -hmm. in the heavenly places so there's not just the which sinfulness in my own heart but there's also an Mm -hmm. agenda I believe that that exists in the world that's demonic it's satanic that that's striking back Mm -hmm. at the image of God by pushing this these type of hatred and things like that in Mm -hmm. in the world and and creating these these this environment which which plays on my prejudices you know which Mm -hmm. like you said I admit i i mean Andrew and I were talking about this earlier this week that you know we were talking about our own prejudices and and how those i mean we would say they're not racist but and i when the, we kind of described it as this i said i don't it's not that i would look at a person and say oh i can't stand that person but if if i saw a group of men outside dressed in suits you know i would be comfortable walking past them in the middle of yes. the night but if i saw that same group of of you know guys skinheads white guys tat- with tattoos w- around harley motorcycles you know standing next to the sidewalk smoking cigarettes and you know being loud i'd be uncomfortable you know and it wasn't necessarily because they're they're different their skin color is different than mine It's, but it's that fear that drives this creates a prejudice mm. and, and creates a, a place right where, and that that fear and prejudice can even open it up to broader things, you know, where I be, start mistrusting people based on the color of their skin, mm-hmm. based on the the, they, the language they speak or the way they talk or, you know, any mm. of those things. And so it's, um, it's very, I think fear can play a very big part in it, you know, but it all goes back, like you said, to the garden, to the fall, you know, and from that, we all have a place where we all are, are marked with it. Um, we all, you know, are, you know, and i think in a sense like you said it's going to be a lifelong process for mm-hmm. god to to sanctify that mm-hmm. out of us and eventually the good news is is that he does <laughs> you mm-hmm. know he does yes you know he will perfect that in me through you know through his power you know but mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it is it is a process
0: mhm mhm yeah michael um so on the personal side we were just talking about this i just i mean you are Mexican American, your your parents are both from Mexico. Did they immigrate from Mexico?
1: My grandparents, my grandparents did. Both sides? Both sides, yeah. Both sides. So
0: your parents were born here?
1: Yes, my parents were born here,
0: yeah. Okay, okay. So they're they're first generation, they're second generation um, Mexican Americans, and you are in the third generation. But from a From a race perspective, you're you're Mexican, right? right. And then you also Angie is Caucasian, right? Then yeah. you have you have um, Eric. Mm-hmm. He is what would you say?
1: He's half um, half black and half white. Okay. Yes. Yeah.
0: And then Sophia.
1: Sophia is. Um... I want to think she's almost. I would. I would think she's full-blooded Mexican. I think. Okay. Okay. Or maybe El Salvadorian. Okay. Okay. Salvadorian or something. Like
0: yes, that. and Benny.
1: Benny's black. <laughs> 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 yes.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the thing: is that, you know, and not only that, we're talking about how you just need a uh, someone who is native. And maybe someone who's Asian, but you go to a church where there's many Asians, right? So yeah. um, so you really have, I think, the uh, an idea of what it's like to, to deal with races, but as well as to recognize that, that the differences can be, they're not perfectly overcome, because in this world, they'll never be perfectly overcome. We will be, it, there will be a time where... It'll be perfectly overcome. But I would say as things go, you know, your family in many ways represents sort of a picture of what we would hope the church would be and even our world would be. Um what does that look like? Is that what are the challenges? Do you see any challenges? Or is is it wow, this is just beautiful <clears throat> in so many different ways. I know it's beautiful. But do you see any of the challenges and what is it that, that you learn even within your own family context that you can see that can make, that can help us as a church, as well as to help us as a church to reach out to a world that needs to hear and to see and to, um, to exhibit the gospel at a time where there's so much turmoil when it comes to, and injustices when it comes to areas of race?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um think but well, it's it's really when angie and i we when i mean my family is multi-ethnic i mean it's multi-racial um kayla you know my my oldest son yes. was caucasian i had and then my daughter valerie who also passed away was um half filipino and half mexican so there was that even asian <laughs> <laughs>
0: there is that <laughs> yeah,
1: so, you know, and I, oh my daughters yeah and then yes. even as foster parents um when we angie and yes. i started doing foster parents with the hope of adopting, we actually wanted, um, children that were like us, you know, that were either Mexican Hispanic or Caucasian, mm-hmm. you know, like Angie and Caleb, because mm-hmm. in the classes, they kind of tell you that those kind of things are going to, those situations will work best, you mm-hmm. know, and, you know, and so along with that, and we thought, okay, that would, would be easier to have people look at our family and not, Stand out like a sore thumb, or things like mm-hmm. that, or people, you know. Mm. So we thought at first we initially thought that, and you know, and like I said, when we got into the adoption process, we we kind of stumbled into it, and God showed Himself more mm. to us and, and grew us in it in the whole mm. process as a whole. But in doing that, He changed our Angie and I's perspective, you know, that if Jesus were to bring a child to us. And said what how you know would you for this child you know what would we say <laughs> you know and that's kind mm-hmm. of what the thoughts would keep going in my head if he said here's a nut one more what would what, what, what you know would i say oh mm-hmm. i can't do it jesus like there's no way mm-hmm. he's like he wouldn't bring it to bring her to me or any child to me if, if it wasn't he if he wasn't going to guide me through it you know and so mm-hmm. Angie and i opened up our hearts you know to all you know any type of mm-hmm. circumstances that we handle even when it came to special needs as well you know mm-hmm. which even brought other challenges and yes in doing so you know that was what it, you know how god kind of really started working on our hearts um when it mm-hmm. comes to this you know but there were mm-hmm. there are difficulties there are worries and concerns that we had you know about mm-hmm. um which even people would bring up at times to us like you know how you're not you're not gonna know how to raise a black child you know you're not gonna mm-hmm. know how to do this or you know, mm-hmm. that, or, you know, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, is it possible that for, for me, a uh, uh, Mexican or, you know, or the NGO, to mm-hmm. be a good parent, can we raise mm-hmm. in America the right way, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So even yeah. those thoughts can get in um, your head and make you an, any person apprehensive, that we're not mm-hmm. adequate for it. But, mm-hmm. but God showed different, you know, and, and mm-hmm. in doing so, he really, you know, transformed me, um, showed me himself. You know, as, mm. as what a father he is you know what an amazing mm. loving father he is and, mm. and he's really even you know as i look at my children every morning um even just being able to work at mm. home recently and seeing them come to the table every morning and give me hugs and say good morning and i always tell them oh you guys are beautiful <laughs> you know god made you guys mm. so beautiful and for all their differences that's what he truly does you know and even as Angie was combing Benny's hair this morning and his hair is so different than mine (laughs) God made your your hair so beautiful so different you know and it's so beautiful and and I said I said then I'll ask him I'll say who made your hair God did you know
0: yeah you
1: know and I was like and I just said it's like this is what God made and it's beautiful It's good, you know, and this is when, and that's how I, I look at it. It's not just for my children because of my children, but it's all humanity really that he did this Mm -hmm. to you know, and every one of them is unique and, but they're beautiful. They are his children. We are his creation, Mm -hmm. you know, his workmanship, every single one of us, you know, that bear his image. And that's why, you know, I generally, I think the beginning of discipleship is, is understanding that, that not just you know not just me and not just my kids and this is one i want them to get at the foundation so they know this when they look out at the world is that mm-hmm. everyone is created in god's image that's why we mm-hmm. we can't treat right. everyone, you know th- this way we can't treat people any which way they're, they deserve respect and dignity mm-hmm. and, and, dignity right. and valued and they're precious you know whether they're a believer a christian or not they are precious in the sight of god so precious that he would send his son to die on the cross, to redeem them to himself.
0: Mm. Mm. Yes. So, you know, we'll go into some of the recent events because I think that that is on everyone's mind and how we're processing that. Um, You know, well, you know what happened with George Floyd in, uh, in Minneapolis. And anyone who's watched that video knows that there's just no answer for that. In other words, there's no defense. Um, it's, it just is, yeah, it's it's just really, really bad. Um, yeah. And it leaves you speechless actually. It does. But that's not it. it. There's a number of things that have happened. Um, a jogger, you know, in Georgia, uh, yeah. Ahmad, you know, mm-hmm. he gets killed jogging. And then you have I mean, it's a the, the other comparatively, this one was a smaller one, but it's more indicative of the just the framework of thinking is uh, what happened to Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper in Central Park with the video of the, her calling the police on yeah. him for, for bird watching, yeah, for bird watching, and using the fact that he's black as or an African American man as almost as a A tool because she knew that that was going to get a response I mean somehow she knew and we're seeing this play out over and over and over again Mm -hmm. and I think that you know it's easy to to listen and and read that and hear uh people who are whether it's I I don't even want to go down the political road because I don't think this is a political situation It, it it's It always turns political, but forget about politics. It's much more about sin and the gospel. And I want to see it through that framework. And as long as there is sin, and I look at all these situations and you see a a system that, I always think of it this way. If my ancestors were brought into America on ships, enslaved, and for centuries, there would be implications of that. Uh, There are consequences to that type of sin, to to that type of depravity, and that depravity is going to be have a there's a rude awakening for that and I think in many ways America is facing some of that. Yeah, but I also know that, um, and this is where I do think it's very personal for you we're talking about it. And I'll share the story is that when I was in, uh, I was in South Africa, my family was there for six weeks. Uh, We were at hands. And one of the things that they said is that if you get pulled over by the police, whatever you do, do everything you can not to go to the police station. That was like, that's very odd. That's what, an odd thing to say. Why? Why? Because? And they would say because you go to the police station, and they will do all they can to extract money. To, they're not there to protect you. They're there to be against you, and you're you have they're antagonistic towards you, and you have to almost pay your way out or figure out a way because of your skin color because you look different and I got pulled over three times and each time there was a sense of fear and the questions that they were asked would be like I had a camera they would say oh uh, that's a very nice camera can I can I hold it and you're just helpless there's such a helpless feeling because they're in positions of authority you're you have no there's no strength and you feel like the system is rigged I don't think we understand that as much, but I always do think if you are a black man walking around, you happen to be wearing a hoodie and how many of us, I have, I wear hoodies, you're walking around Danville, you're wearing a hoodie and you're a black man. You could see why there's a real tension if suddenly someone calls the police, the police pulls up and it escalates so quickly, so deeply. And I had asked you, Michael, you have two sons. Both of them are black. They're now adults, so they're walking around in Dublin, in San Ramon, in Danville, in Alamo, um, and they're walking around, you know, at night. They're jogging, you know. They it's cold, so they have a hoodie on. And I know Eric; he wouldn't hurt a fly, you know. I mean, and. uh, but how easy it is for someone like Eric or Benny to, they're gonna face something very different than someone who looks like me or looks like you even, or looks like someone who's white is gonna face at night jogging, wearing a hoodie. What What do you, I mean, and then you mentioned the fact that they're, they're special needs. So if police officer comes and says, hey, you know, show me, you know, hands up, they might not respond in the way that, what do you do, like, how do you, so what happened with George Floyd, it's so easy again for all of us to say, well, that's a one off, I mean, this doesn't happen too often, or, you know, it's not, what can you do, maybe that's just one guy. But what we fail to see is that this is something that is happening in a way in which people are, who are black, are definitely afraid. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? You have a, i know, I know you have a ton to say, but I think it'll yeah. be helpful as you think it's, about that
1: I think starting off with george floyd when i uh, when I saw the video, it made me sick physically i was uh, just to watch it it was I, I was heartbroken i cried i did I was like, man, this is just horrible mm-hmm. and i and the, the was sad about it was is what if he didn't die? you know what if he didn't right crossed my mind it's like what if he didn't die, you know, there under the under the officers? What if he lived and actually was just arrested and taken away, and you know people forgot that they videotaped it and we never saw the light of day of that video? Um, you know, what would it make a difference? You know, doesn't you know? And you know, and I look at it and I see it as it cost him his life to make that difference. You know, his life actually that he died makes all the difference in the world. It, but it shouldn't, you know, and that's the sad part. And that's what kind of what you hint at when they talk about, you know, police stopping up, doing a pullover in Danville, in know, yeah. you know, I know what happens and I know, you know, I hear about it. I see it. And, you know, I, I hear about, you know, you know, just regular people minding their business being stopped because they're black. And it terrifies me to know that there's, that there's bad cops out there, but I know there's a lot of good, good officers out
0: there. There are, and we have two of them in our church who would yeah. have stood up yeah. and who would have not let that happen. Yeah, My brother's that's a the, law
1: enforcement officer. That's
0: right. We know yeah. a lot of great police officers. And, and so, so that's, it's so tragic that two, like four bad cops Yeah. Put, like lay out this path, you know, for, oh, this is how all police, are. it's right. it's and, actually racism in its, and prejudice in its own way. You know, yeah. you take and, one and you say, that everyone's like that.
1: Yeah. And that's where, for me, it, I, I see it, and I, I it break. I mean, I look at my kids, and I can't help but be, be afraid for them, you know, the mm-hmm. future that that's in store for them. And um, mm-hmm. and that fear, I mean, it can drive me to do to think so many different ways. And I even saw videos today of, of people responding in fear, um, responding mm-hmm. that same type of fear for their children. You know, one guy he even pinned his son down with his knee on his back, and is trying to tell his son, "Here's how you calm down. Here's how you breathe." You know, because uh. this is going to happen to you, and you need to you need to be ready for it. But just breathe, son. Relax. Close your eyes. And he had his son pinned down with his knee on his back, and he's trying to tell his son, "Okay, you know, they're going to do this, and they're going to be saying things to you. But just breathe, and and tell them. And if, if anybody you see a camera, tell them I can't breathe. I'm having problems breathing. You know, so at least somebody sees it. And you know, and I'm like, and i the fear in me hmm. kind of wells up again and says, Is that what I need to do for my son? You know, is that yeah. what it is? And and yet. But then when I, I hear the gospel and I hear God, you know, you know, he says, love casts out fear and mm-hmm. you know, that I can trust him with my children, you know, <laughs> that I, mm-hmm. I can trust him more than I should trust. I can trust myself with my own kids, you know, that God. And so, you know, will guide them. He's, he's sovereign. He, he loves my mm-hmm. kids and he loves them more than I do. And he, he doesn't want that for my children or for anyone else's children. Mm. You know, and so for me I just have to push put you know, get all of my children and put them in God's hands and say, God, take take care of them. you you have to be the one to do this because I can't mm. do I can't be with them I you know mm-hmm. school, I can't be with them in a the lunchroom, I can't be with them on the streets, I can't be you know, with them when they're adults and they're you know, this is happening to them. But God is gonna be with them. He promises never to leave them. Or forsake them, and I can trust that. And and and, and I, what I can do now for them is is to prepare them through God's word. Prepare them not just for for that type of difficulty, but even how to respond to, to being um, mistreated. You know that, and 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 point to the example that Christ laid down all of His rights and endured even the sufferings of a cross. You know. Mm in obedience to the Father, and that we, as well, because Christ did that, we, through His power and His Spirit, can also lay down our rights, and, and even endure mistreatment for the sake of the gospel, and for the sake of love, to love, and, and to even give respect to those who may not mm-hmm. even really, we may not feel deserved respect, like a, a, a cruel police officer, you know, which I know the world is saying right now, oh, that guy, he should, you know, they want to execute him, they believe he should be, you know, executed the same way, but I, my God is merciful, and I know I deserve to be executed you know, for, for my mm-hmm. sin. I deserve to be on that cross instead of Christ, and yet he had mercy on me. So the cross even tells me that man deserves mercy, and I pray that this officers, mm-hmm. all of them repent. I pray that they all turn to Christ. I pray that they find this forgiveness, but I know they're going to have to face justice,
0: you mm-hmm. know, the
1: single justice that God has ordained to handle that. But I want my kids to understand that too. you know. I want them to, to be able to trust God. And and to in in the middle of whatever circumstance they're in, and even one like this where they're where they're enduring racism, and unfortunately, you know, they I feel, in some cases, they've already experienced that, you know, um, on some level, in some ways, and so and and I've you know even going through it with bullying, and it seems like it's kind of, appointed bullying, you know, on them, not just because they're they're special needs, but also because of. There them being black you know so mm-hmm. there is this type of thing that we've had to address in some ways already as a family mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. but the reality is and you know i've been going over you know proverbs with my kids you know recently until we started you know it's a goal of ours to just do it there you know every day or as much as possible to go through a proverb because you know, there's so much wisdom there you mm-hmm. know on how we interact with mm-hmm. people around us how mm-hmm. we interact with that, but really ultimately that they would learn to trust god you know and to trust mm. his, his presence and you know with them and, and, and mm. in in situations but if there is a there is a problem you know and um and i you know this whole week i've just been li- listening to my friends on social media listening reading from good, you know christian re- very good christian pastors um mm-hmm. and ever looking at everyone's responses and you get so many different responses right you know, so it's, it's uh, processing all of that. It's, it's very yes
0: easy. Yes. Speaking of the responses, like Jungju asked the question, a lot of Christians have been speaking out saying, because we talked about this quickly, mm. uh, we cannot remain silent need to stand up for justice. So in practice, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, that's what I think a lot of the questions are. And not just for my friends who are, are Christians, but also non-Christians, they're upset, they're outraged, they're like, this has to stop. But what can we do? you know, and, and what should I do? You know, should I go march and, you know, should I, um, you know, should I join this cause? Should I write letters to my congressman? And, you know, and, you know, one of the things I, I really feel the Bible is, you know, for me individually, you know, I mean, is one of this this thing, I don't know if you could see it behind me. It's from Micah. Yes. Yes. Yep. They, you know, it's like one of this. it's one of my, like, it's a Christian, very cliche thing, you know, but, um, one of the things, the first thing is to do justice, you know. And um, and when I think of doing justice for me, you know, I, I I say, what does that look like? Should I join a cause? Should I go, you know, protest, you know, a black, you know, join a Black Lives Matter protest? And and I wouldn't, if that were, if I had the opportunity to do that and pursue that, if I thought that that's what what God wanted me to do, then that's what I would do. And I w- I don't I wouldn't fault anyone for doing that at this time, you know, for saying you know, saying, I'm going to go march and protest this and sh- show vocally that I feel that this is an injustice. And I'd write letters to politicians and say, you know, this can be done, you know, but, but for me, it's like, I'm going to love, <laughs> you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to love people. You know, I'm going to love my children. I'm going to, you know, I want to, you know, I mean, for me, I feel like, and even I know for people that are helping with the oppressed and justice and in, in so many different ways, you know, um, there's just there's that feeling you get like, but everybody needs help. Everybody needs justice. But right now this is the issue you know that that's in front of us, and we have a choice. It's like how are we going to do this? You know how am I going to do this? And wh- what difference can my voice make in this? You know and and I think that's where a lot of people are struggling. But for me I'm going to love and I'm going to and for me I I see my the best use of my time personally is in making disciples of Jesus Christ.
0: Because
1: I can write my politician and they can make a law, you know, and we've had so many laws concerning hate crimes, concerning racism, mm-hmm. concerning equal treatment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can get an equal rights amendment and I mean, even add on and more and more, but and it's not going to change the heart of the person mm-hmm. that, that I encounter on the street. It's not going to change the heart of a, a law enforcement officer. It's not going to change my heart. That law mm-hmm. isn't going to make me love somebody in a better way you know but mm-hmm. what will is mm-hmm. is is showing them christ and, yes. and showing them the glorious the the wondrous gospel of jesus mm-hmm. christ and then live, showing them how to live that out and letting god with them mm-hmm. engage in god's word and and seeing how do we live this out that that we can let god transform my heart and, mm-hmm. and take away those prejudices one by one how can i get these things to be you know, that, and have him change that heart, you know, change this, this these parts of me that still need so much work, you know, and let's work on this together. And that's, you know, and it's interesting is that um I was reading today about George Floyd and his work in Houston, in, in um, different parts of Houston and some of the really toughest neighborhoods and wanting to be involved in Christian ministry. And even I saw a video of him using some rough language and a lot of people would be upset if they heard it. But... He was talking to people, youth, saying the same thing, you know, saying that, that one day they're going to stand before God, you know, mm. and all this stuff. That he thinks important is not important, you know, and mm. and you know, and I think this is what he, as well, mm. would have said is like, we need to get people, all these people, you know, because it's like not like you said earlier, it's not just black, and you know, white versus black or you know, Asian versus white, or, you know, it's not just that it's, but it's also black and on black and all of these issues, you know, and but really the one that we need to do is, is that everyone needs to see is the gospel, you know, they need to see the gospel and it needs to be lived out, you know, and that's what we see like in Ephesians, our, our passage for today, Mm -hmm. and that's, what's going to make a difference, and that's, what's going to make a difference in me, so when people like, I mean, everybody sitting there saying, what is it that I'm supposed to do? You know, and that's where I think, you know, I think that's where Christ calls us to do. it says to love your neighbor. You know, and who is that? Well, start with the people across the street. Start with the people that live next door. Start with the people in your own house if you're not doing that already. Mm-hmm. You know, and love them, mm-hmm. and, and work outwardly from there. You know, I mean, and like mm-hmm. I said, if it means getting your family and teaching them and saying we're going to go and we're going to take part of, of this protest, the peaceful protest, and you know, and we're going to write letters and we're going to you know, let people know that we we do value them and we do treasure them. And let's you know, but let's start there, you know. And mm-hmm. but it always has, I believe it always has to start here, you know, with mm-hmm. this God's word and letting that being the one that impacts us and and guides us and directs us and gives us direction, clear direction that can make a, a, a lasting difference in somebody's mm-hmm. life, you know, because ultimately that's God has to do the changing. We can legislate it to death and we can march. You know up and on the street and we can you know and obviously people are rioting in anger um, and but is that going to change someone's heart you know is it you know and and it, you know
0: yeah yeah you know I um I totally agree with you I don't think a um a prescription as to let's do this this and this and if that happens everything's going to be different Right. um we, we just see that in history that that just doesn't happen um and no matter even if we were to say as christians uh let's go and demonstrate let's go and write letters but first of all that type of change it's so short-sighted it never lasts and in fact maybe a month from now as the news cycle changes people are going to forget this again and we're going right. to go back to the same thing and so I think people asking—we're always asked the question in the middle of turmoil: "What can I do?" Right. But always, as time goes by, we forget because we have our kids to take care of, and we have, you know, bills to pay, and, right. and so we we forget about it. And mm-hmm. so I think the the people who really make the the difference, and in this I see a, the distinction between a Christian response versus a non-Christian response. Because the non-Christian response always sees things completely uh, pragmatically from a self-centered perspective. It's do these things because it'll make my life a little bit easier. They might not say that, but it, it ends up being that way. And I think a great example of this is actually a, a, that woman, Amy Cooper in Central Park. Um, Van Jones, who is a CNN commentator, he's black, he's definitely politically on the liberal side He's definitely nowhere near conservative at all. But one of the things he said was, and I think he's being very honest with the situation. He said, you know, that, that woman, she, like, I, what she did as a liberal white woman who voted, who's a Hillary Clinton supporter, is far more destructive in a way than even the KKK from today. The reason is because today the KKK, while they are vile and while they are filled with hatred, they have no power. No, they, they can't they do anything anymore. They, and everyone dismisses them because they are to be dismissed. But the problem is that there's a disconnect between a political philosophy and the pragmatism of what that brings and how it plays out in my heart. So for her, her heart is a heart of prejudice, she sees this guy automatically and then uses the system but pragmatically, she's liberal, votes for Hillary Clinton, maybe talks about race and talks about racism, and mm-hmm. you know, at cocktail parties, and and says, you know, we need to vote this way. And but that's why trying to change a system and sort of talking about a uh, Peter's question. Could you address how sin is manifest in the form of structural, systematic, systemic racism and the role of the church in addressing this form of oppression? The that systemic, systematic racism will never be defeated by legislation.
1: Right.
0: Because it, it's a hard issue. It's not, a, it's not a, like a an practical outworking issue. And when you look at scripture, whenever there is an oppressive system, I mean, when you think about this, there, was, there were very few more repressive systems in a way than some of the ancient peoples, Assyria, Babylon, Rome, Greece, you know they. I mean, the way they treated women, the way they treated children, infants, the the sick, the old. I mean, they would just discard them. Different ethnicities, and Jesus <coughs> didn't come in and say, "Hey, this is an unjust, corrupt system." That Nero guy and Peter and they faced Nero, one of the most evil men of all of human history governmental leader and there, and Peter writes, be subject to your leaders. Paul writes as he's approaching his execution, you know, that, I mean, he's talked, they're talking about things because they know that they're never going to be able like Jesus was not about this. My kingdom is not of this world. So this is the problem with both both sides of the political extreme. One is the the liberal side, which says you use the government changes lives. The conservative side says, you know, it's all about individual rights. And therefore um, through that there's, there's, and so we just need to change the government to enforce certain laws have supreme. Mm-hmm. Neither side un- will ever understand that you cannot change a person's heart through legislation. Yeah. And whenever you see historically dramatic change, mm-hmm. it's always been through the church's faithful witness in the gospel, in living and demonstrating that out uh, through a sort of a Ephesians 2 perspective that Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. Because of that, Christians are out there, whether it's in the inner city, whether it's in places in South America, Africa, whether it's, you know, there are many Chinese believers who are dying for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. places where there's restriction Christians who are being persecuted in Saudi Arabia and communism fell not because um a lot of people attribute it to you know Reagan's policies but really it's the church standing you know as a, in a, in praying against this oppressive political structure and system why did slavery fall in the first place it's because people like you know there were active people who were engaged from a spiritual perspective and from that engaged in different ways, but it was always spiritually driven, yeah. not
1: abolitionists and, you know, yeah. and whatever and um, many others. And, you know, I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, though, when it comes to the political uh, equation on each end, you know, they're both, you know, they both, I think what they want is, is the right thing, but it's the wrong means in the wrong way. Yeah. And you know, and, I, and it's you know, we, and for me, you know, even in the Christian perspective, I think there's the idea that you know that if we, and this is where I think it, we, and this is where we fall into this these categories of like, um, where okay, let's just address it gospelly and not talk about race, and it'll work mm-hmm. itself out, you know. And right. I even I listened to yes. that um, uh, Jasmine, um, uh, what's her name was today. Um, Holmes, Jasmine Holmes on the the Philip Holmes wife on the thing you posted today from the Gospel Coalition and listening to her, she was talking about it as well that, you know, the early American Christian churches, they had segregation, they had slaves, you know, and they were, and they would say, okay, but we have the gospel, you know, Mm -hmm. and and how could this coexist, you know, Yes, because yeah, you can have the gospel and it could be preached and even rightly preached and passionately preached but if it's not lived out, if it's not, the scribbles aren't being made, you know, and the disciples, what are we making disciples of? You know, it's like mm-hmm. we even have the right message. But if we're not making disciples and, follow, you know, following after Christ, really pursuing mm-hmm. him and, pers- and seeing what scripture has and letting that transform us, you know, instead of letting what our, what our thoughts about what Christianity is. Or all those things then that's where we can fall in the same trap that the politicians yes falling into and yes. so yes. you know or those that want to change things politically and yes you know yes. So I, yes I really see even our understanding of like even this passage, you know how you know in this this in this section of Ephesians um kind of kind of read it.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah uh, um he says uh well I'll start with verse um verse eight. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at a time separated from Christ one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. And when I see this, I think of the whole temple system you know and then mm-hmm. like the the whole temple set up in on the mount you know in in jerusalem and how mm-hmm. they had the outer courts for the the gentiles and then they had the court where the women could go and you know but they couldn't nobody mm-hmm. could go any further beyond that you know and then you had you had the jews and even the, the jews could only go so far and then only mm-hmm. the elite priests could even go into the holy Holies and have that fellowship with god and and that get once a year and and then there was that, you know, and even then at risk his own you know, life, you know, because if he was sin, if there was sinfulness, he could even be struck dead by even mm-hmm. entering into the presence of God. Because God mm-hmm. is holy and with apart from sin, so much so that, that it can't even exist in his presence. And yet God, through the cross, sent Christ and, and, a, and tore down every wall and every barrier, bringing us who were me, who was so far off, you know, as a Gentile bringing me all the way into there through mm-hmm. Christ, you know, through the cross, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I see that. And I'm like, if he did all of that, you know, not just for me, but for the church, you know, that we, the Jew and Gentile and we mm-hmm. would be one, you know, that we would have unity that not just unity, but even the love, like you preach from first John, you know, this, mm-hmm. this love, you know, that, that he has, and we'd be expressing it. Mm-hmm. Each other. And it's like, and, and for me, it's like, that's, you know it's wonderful it's so wondrous it's so amazing you know that yeah brought near oh but loved as a child you know and adopted and even you know even though yes. I, you know i don't look anything like him now you know but he's shaping me into the image of, of his son mm. you know and in mm. christ when he's when he looks upon me in christ he sees his son his child mm. you know? and, 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 he sees him, and hopefully you know so many more alongside of me and you know Mm -hmm. in that you know that whole picture of revelation chapter 7 verse 9 you know when he's looking out at the multitudes and and the, you know and he sees of every tribe tongue and nation you know worshiping and praising you know the lamb and praising god surrounding the throne you know and it's just like and i think you know that's what god accomplished here through the cross you
0: Mm. know all those who are
1: bringing them near to him you know and yes yes and
0: yeah no but that's it, that's great
1: we can't get there you know politically though you know and yeah and this is the end i look at this and i see even in revelation it's like that's the end that's where we're going you know we're going to go there you know in christ we're going in that direction and you know but now how do we live with that in mind mm-hmm. how do we live now you know how do we live you know mm-hmm. how should i live how should i love my neighbor how should i, love, mm-hmm. how should I respond to this situation you know, where the, you know there's so much pain and so much, mm-hmm. you know, that has been around for centuries mm-hmm. in our country, mm-hmm. you know, in, in people groups and in, in the black mm-hmm. community and even in the Asian community, in the Chinese community, you know, the you know, the Irish people, you know, I mean, you know, people of all, you know, Hispanics even, you know, during the in the sixties, my parents, that's one reason they didn't want us, my my me and my brothers and sisters to learn Spanish, is because they they saw some of the hostility and you mm-hmm. know that was coming up against Hispanics early, early in the 60s and 70s yeah. in, in our country, you know, even in the California and, and people were, you know, they didn't want Hispanics. And so the more I could American, they wanted us to be Americanized. And, you mm-hmm. know, so that we would fit in, you know, so that we wouldn't mm-hmm. get so much um, mm-hmm. you know, racism and you know, things toward us, mm-hmm. you know, some um Yeah, we have mm-hmm. so far to go. But yes. way-
0: <laughs> oh, Michael. I, I wanna answer a couple of questions that came in. So from, from Peter, so further in the whole question of system. So wasn't it actions of politicians like William Wilberforce motivated by faith, but that brought about change in the system, isn't widespread flourishing something that Christians should advocate for. And I would never diminish the role of a changed heart to faith in the transformative power that can have in their actions. But couldn't we also advocate for policy change too? That it's a both end. So I think in many ways you answered this question when you talked about the idea of uh, people like, and I studied him when I was in seminary, RL Dabney, who was uh, a Presbyterian reform minister in South Carolina. And he was a staunch proponent and advocate of, of slavery using the Bible as the primary means by which slavery should exist. And you read that and you think, how does that guy who has such great things to say about the gospel say such terrible things about slavery? And I think to answer my question with Peter, and it's, it's this idea that when we think about um, systems, that the systems and are entrenched in and ingrained there, not necessarily solely by policy, but by the, those who are the policy makers and that their hearts essentially were completely astray Now, here's the thing is that once you start going down the policy route and making it all about policy, the challenge is that you have to start picking and choosing which policies you want to prioritize, because there are so many on both sides of the political spectrum that are against God. You have the racist sort of racism against and that are subjugating, in a sense, one particular ethnic group. And then you have abortion. And I think a lot of people think, well, abortion—you know—is it really that bad? But here's the question: if—and it just is a logical statement. It is abortion murder. Is it a life? Is—is that—is that personal life? The answer is yes. Then it's okay. How many people are being? How many children are being aborted each year? Let's say it's worldwide. It's in the millions. Even in America, it's in the millions. So imagine if. A million people were being killed every year, and no Christian ever said anything about it. Mm -hmm. So here's the question: Is if you're going to, if it's always going to be about policies that's going to determine and dictate how do we stop? And I don't think the answer is do nothing, because I think that's your point: is like someone there needs to be willing willful force, but it's always derived from a heart that is impacted. They move and act. And just like um, uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu in South Africa, Martin Martin Luther King, there was movements that started from a Christian worldview, but you see the impact of it, even when they are mistreated and they took a a peace route, but were integrated and really fighting the cause of uh, flowing from faith. and, And from that leading to some change, but as we're seeing now, it has not led to heart change. Right. I mean, so again, I'm not saying do nothing. Yeah. What I'm saying is if you place all your eggs in the basket of, okay, let's have a transformative policy that's gonna to lead to human flourishing. To me, that's post-millennialism. The idea that governmental change leads to a more prosperous society that's gonna make the world a better place. I've, again, I've been reading a lot of history of late and from ancient history to today. Our world is, it's not as though it's always getting better. There's World War One and World War Two were terrible, you know, yeah. the Cold War. And I do think there's gonna be more upcoming. Yeah. If we really think to ourselves that, okay, the answer to making this world a better place is going to be to implement laws and changes. We've implemented a lot of laws and it doesn't protect the unborn, it doesn't protect uh, your son walking down the street, being able to be free. Um, again, I'm not saying let's do nothing, but I think we have to really be honest with ourselves and say, what is it that God ultimately uses to bring transformation into the lives of people and to the lives of society? Yeah. And as long as we're in this world, there is still gonna be brokenness. It's not that we say nothing, but we have to be very, very mindful of the fact that any type of systemic change and we, we put all of our hope into that suddenly we're going to be disappointed because it will never wipe out the reality of sin and it's literally like the gopher it just keeps on popping up and the you know that gopher game yeah just pops up in another way in another place it'll be another evil coming down the line another terrible thing i mean who knows it could be eugenics it could be Well, if you're born with special needs, no more, I mean, how many children are there now with Down syndrome? Almost none, because they're all being aborted. Well, what about one day when there's even less? And then do we just say as Christians, ah, you know, that's just another thing. We can't fight every battle. Let's just fight this one. So let's be mindful of the fact that if we're gonna fight for systemic change, either you fight every system because they're all really bad. And another thing is we're seeing it only from an American perspective. If you travel different parts, and I've seen real injustices, we're seeing it in China, we're seeing it in um, different parts in Africa, in in different parts of Asia, in Europe, in South Africa, South America. So let us not think that we're just talking about because there's some bad things happening in America, but it's happening all around the world. Right. Yeah, and so I do agree with you. I think I I believe that the church is. The primary means through a, a full orb gospel preaching and application. And that means, I think this is where I think Michael, missions from a gospel perspective, evangelism is so critical to making an impact because I, I know this, when I go to other parts of the world and I see poverty in a new way, I see different races in a new way, I see different people in a new way, I see the same structures and problems that are just as bad, if equally bad, not worse, just different. And you start seeing all that and suddenly you think, you know, America is not, it's not as great as we may think it is here. And it's not as terrible as we think it is here, that you see that all around. And the more we have a, a worldwide, see the world as God sees it. See his brokenness over it, his heart that is just wrenched because of all the suffering and sorrows. Mm. When we get that, that's when we really understand. What do you think?
1: I agree. I think, you know, one is first, I mean, Peter's thing is, uh, Peter's question is that it's, I'm not saying do nothing. You know, I, 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 you know, I wanted, I'm going to do justice wherever I am. I'm going to do mercy.
0: (laughs) I know you are, Michael.
1: That's That's who you are. In that's Christ. what I think we're called to do is to where we are where are you you know i mean and i was telling my dg this earlier this week you know we were talking about this issue if i was there if i was on that sidewalk yeah. i mean i would have been screaming, I, know. I would have been pleading i would have been all like please let this man up please let me do first aid on him you guys can you know you can t- tase me if i move or do something wrong but let me help this guy you know and that's justice that and then you know and and i think justice is as well as saying is is to make sure and ensure that our justice system isn't going to let somebody walk Mm -hmm. not somebody who does this crime but also commits other crimes against humanity too you know but but this is heinous in the sense that it's done by somebody who's supposed to be protecting and protecting our citizens is actually carrying out this type of, you know, this type of thing. And there's going to be a lot of talk about people saying, no oh, he had underlying conditions. He had, he had high blood, hypertension and high blood pressure. And he might have even... Oh, he
0: wouldn't have, have been in that position if he...
1: It you doesn't, know, it
0: doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter. He he, you he saw yeah. this how he was treated.
1: And I know. Treated that way. No. and, and That's where i like like, yeah. this, is, this, is, this is bad. and That's uh, injustice. Yeah. And I'm like, and it needs to be addressed. So let's address it. Address it. But address it where you are as well and and do justice yes. where you are and yes. and that means even and you talked yeah. about abortion and there's a, a on facebook there's a group called the radiance foundation and they talk a lot about blacks black children being aborted and that there are more yeah. black children being aborted in, in the united states than actually than, than any new other york, and actually yes. being born alive, you know and even statistically yeah. in new york city you know that it, it's it's you have a you have a greater chance of dying if you're a black child in the womb than than you know any other demographic Mm -hmm. in that city, you know, that's the most dangerous place for you. And this is in one of the most, you know, what we would say is the most racially diverse places in the world, you know, the melting Mm -hmm. pot of America. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and yet this is happening, you know, and, and, and I see it as murder. I see it as genocide. I see it as racism and there definitely is something going, there's, there's a lot to it, you know, and we have to, I think we have to speak about that too. You know I mean? Yeah. Right now, this is this, this issue of race is the right. issue. And it's like so I, I say do justice where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. protect, stand up, you know, be, be a voice and for those in your community who are being affected by this, you know, be a voice and and you know defend them. You know, our Lord, you we see him in his holy habitation, you know, mm-hmm. as the as the, you know, defender of widows and, you know, the protector mm-hmm. of orphans and and you know, he, mm-hmm. he takes them in and but he also does justice, you know, and for the poor and the needy, you know, and and protects the weak, you know, and so, these are all things that were to be in our neighborhoods, you know, as well, and so, so I say, wherever you are, if you're, you know, in the mm-hmm. discipleship, and you feel the Lord is leading you to, mm-hmm. to, like, this type of, you know, racism, you mm-hmm. know, abolitionist type, you know, um, you know, think, you know, go with that, and, and, and use the gospel, you know, teach, yes. you know, through the gospel, and whatever it means, you know, educate, Christians on, on this and, and expose us to our prejudices and, and help us as well, you know, mm-hmm. to, to love each other better and to love those around us better. Yes. Through that. But, you know, yes. and, it, it, and it means getting involved politically, you know, and trying to express these things that people are created in right. God's image and trying to get the world and politicians to understand that. That because of this, there is dignity that's deserved, mm-hmm. you know, and that people understand that, you know, and and whether that can be the opening of a door into their hearts that they actually can then see, see and receive the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, that they would get mm-hmm. that, you know, because right. I mean, the premise, right. God starts there with right. us. You know, and he's right. God, and he made us, right. he made us special, a part different than the animals, different than creation. But what we have yes. in our culture is we have Darwinism, you know, we have yeah. evolution and people. Yes. Say, that, Okay, there is a survival. Right. There yeah. Is, you know, Versus being
0: created in in the dignity yeah. of being God's image bearers.
1: Yeah, and so there we have these opposing views, and one is yes. predominant in our culture and society, and we're we to accept that, accept the part about racism, accept the parts about about being unkind and and everybody you know survival of me, survival of me. Yes. That's what eventually I guess evolution says. You know, the mm-hmm. uh, the strong crush the weak. You know, let's mm-hmm. do that. You know, that's mm-hmm. not it. And we know that's mm-hmm. not it. The world knows that that's not it. And and mm-hmm. in our response to racism, our response to seeing weak people being crushed and, the, you know, the outrage about it and that pain and how sick it makes me feel, mm-hmm. it, it screams me, this isn't right. You know, and what, what we're being, all these bill of goods were being sold about, you know, evolution and things like it's not right. You know, mm-hmm. this isn't how it's mm-hmm. supposed to be. And we know it. I mm-hmm. wrote it on our mm-hmm. hearts you know, each one of us that we know, you know, whether we're, we, you know, we hear the word of God or not, we know what's wrong. You yeah. know? So yes. I could, yes. There's much more to say, I know, I don't. Yes, no, I know we're, all,
0: we're pretty much out of time, but one last thing on the, what can you do? And this is where I think one thing that everyone can do, and I'm thankful for a number of people who are, for example, Jim and Sarah, they go Jim to Sarah, City Impact, yeah. you know, they're going to San Francisco, you know, when you build relationships with people, actually, once you start meeting them, you talk to them. George was telling me the story of when he went City Impact with them. I believe he went with uh, somebody just while he was here, he did that. And he walked in and he was trying to get in, like he was trying to deliver food and the guy was very hesitant and he's, he was like, oh, yeah. and he said, hey, you you have an accent, where are you from? And he said, I'm from Nigeria. And he's like, hey, and he started, he said something in Nigerian and the guy was guy said, Come on in. Right. And so George went in. They started talking. He started like, and he, the, his eyes warmed. And suddenly they're not, a, they're not the other. Right. They're a person. You know, They're, they're someone you, you, you actually can have a conversation with. That's why, again, I go back to the idea of, yeah, you mentioned it. Be like Christ. Go and be a missionary. In other words, he went from heaven to earth. He became like us. <coughs> And the, what, something that we can do is we can go to places where people are different from us and we learn and we serve, whether or not to teach or to patronize. That's why I am so thankful we go to HANDS to be part of HANDS because what HANDS does is they, they're not there to say, hey, we're the white people and we're, you know, we're the Westerners. We have so much to offer you. They are there to learn from Mm -hmm. these care workers who are much poorer, no education, but they have so much to teach not to learn they have a lot to teach us and so when we go to africa what i what i always encounter is i always encounter people whom i think these are wonderful people who are doing things that are just inspiring they they teach me how to love they teach me how to be a believer of christ you know i have a lot to learn i always learn and And the more you are in a position of humility, of brokenness, of saying, you know what, just because I'm educated a certain way or I'm from this country or I went to this university, that's the problem is that we have this mentality of I am better and I always have something to to do for you rather than I have a lot to learn and I just want to serve. The more you have that mentality and heart to be like Christ, the Christ-likeness, that's when the walls start breaking down. Yeah. You know, and that's when we see people as image bearers of God and not just projects or, you know, or a handout person. In that sense, um, yeah. yeah. So that, I want to give my last word to you, at Michael, and if you could just close us in prayer. All
1: right, yeah. I just, I think that's absolutely right. It's like, let's go, you know, let's go to them. You know, I think, it and I, I really wish I, after watching a, a video of George Floyd, I wish I had a chance to meet him. You know, mm. he seems like a nice guy. And, uh, mm. and, it, and, uh, I, and it, his work that he wanted to do, that he was involved with in going into places where, I mean, areas where he grew up, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but also to hard places, you know, and working mm. with hard people and, and wanting to point them to Christ, you know, recognizing that that's what was going to make the difference in their life, you know, these young guys on the street. And, um, and I'm like, wow, you know, I think that's, you know, I really feel like, you know, Christ says that greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And then, you know, I know he was talking about his love for his disciples, you know, the 12 and those that were with him, but he's also talking to us, you know, in like, you know, what are we going to lay down our lives for, you know, and to lay down your life for somebody, it doesn't mean that you're going to, not die necessarily but it doesn't mean saying you know what i'm going to change the way i live mm. i'm going to give up way well, you think so I, can serve, I can serve people yes or, or that i can love these people and spend time more time with these people and and so you know on the call to do something you know do that it, you know i mean it could make it mean just being a foster parent saying you know what i'm gonna mm. try to make a difference by being a foster parent or by mm. home, you know to yeah. you know, kind of you know to care for people or or, you know what, I've been putting off, you know, every time they talk about mission trips to Africa, I'm scared, you know, but it could mm. mean just doing that. It could mean, mm. and you know what, I, I want to help take food, you know, into sitting, mm. in, you know, but all these different yeah. ways, of, ways of doing justice and making a difference. And you may say, well, it's that's, that's not going to help the racism. It might, though. Yeah. It, it yeah. might, because it's, it's, yes. it's spreading love, even in the smallest way, you know, yeah. to, to point people so that maybe somebody comes away, like you always say, loving Christ a little bit more, you know, we've done a lot, you know, even if it's just that much, <laughs> you know, it's a lot. And, and the, the, yeah. that's what I want most of all, Yes. because, yes. you know, in the end, you know, like I said, we saw revelation seven, nine. And I said, that's, yeah. the, that's where we're going, you know, yeah. ultimately, going people there. people there, you know, from every tribe, tongue and nation, you know, and, so, mm. you know, and ultimately that's what I want for people in America. I want it for people in Africa. I want people globally, you know, to be there and to have a taste of that here. You know, when we're in church that we're looking across the aisle yes. at people, you know, who are different than us, but we're, we're yes. worshiping together. Yes. Together. Yes. You know, so. Yes. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Michael, so much. Do you so mind praying for us? Savings? Yeah, I'll pray. I know.
1: Yeah. I have so much to say. I wish I could say more, but <laughs> let's pray. Now, Father, um, we come to you um, heartbroken, Father, over mm. um, the state of our country. Um, mm. Father, after so many years after slavery, mm. after so many years after segregation, after so many years after Martin Luther King, uh, Father, and, and so many other civil rights leaders, uh, Father, we are still in a place where, where our country is broken um, and divided and, um, and we know why father, we, we see it in racism. We see it in murder. We see it in our selfishness, in our greed. And most importantly, father, we see it in our emptiness uh, apart from you as a country, uh, father, that, um, we see, um, so much brokenness and we know that this isn't how it's supposed to be father. And yet we see you. Father, sovereign, merciful, good, and calling us to love one another, um, calling us to love each other as you've loved us, uh, Father, putting your son on a cross uh, for us to redeem us to yourself, Father, and pointing to him as uh, the greatest display of your love uh, for us that you've demonstrated and that Christ died for us. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us as we look to the cross, as we look at this broken country, and even as we see our own hearts broken over this, Father, that you would transform us, that you would change us, that you would give us um, encouragement instead of despair and even feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, Father, that you would re- in- instead replace it with hope and, uh, Father, faith. Um and Father, even direction that we would um, look to you, look to the cross, and and ask you, Father, how how should you how should we live in light of this? How should we follow more closely after Christ, Father? How should we um, love those in our family? Love those who are different than us. Love those who who look different than us, Father. How should we um, care for them, the weak and the poor, Father? The broken, uh, Father. Those that are oppressed. Uh, Father, which, by what means shall we go to them? And I pray, Father, you give us direction, that you give us clarity, Father, that you give us hope. But most importantly, Father, give us your love uh, for each other and love for you, Father, that you would shape and transform our hearts, Father, to be more like Christ, um, because we know, I know I need it. I know that your church needs it, Father, and I pray that you would um, just guide your church, Father, guide us as your, as your followers help us draw more closely to Christ, Father, and that we, we ask that you would draw near to us. And so, Father, we thank you. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for Pastor Sam, um, his wisdom. I thank you for the wisdom of so many pastors um, and friends that are speaking out on this issue. Um, but Father, I pray that you give us clarity and uh, give us purpose uh, through the gospel and living it out, Father, and making disciples, taking the good news of Christ all over the world, Father, that there's hope for sinners, uh, father. And there's, uh, and there's even more father, um, in in you in love. And so father, we praise you. We thank you. Um, we ask that you bless us all tonight as we go and we, we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you, Michael, so much. Thanks everyone for joining us. I know we went a little long, but I think it's, uh, on, you know, it's worth it on days like today. So God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. See you on Sunday. All
1: right. God bless you.